0: So this morning we have a special guest speaker. This message um, has been on Aaron's heart, I guess, for quite a while, and it tied into a lot of the spiritual warfare we were talking about back in, I don't know, October, November, December. And then some things hit in our world that made things crazy. But I think the message he has for us, even though it's evolved a little bit, ties in today more than ever.
1: Um, So Aaron, I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over to you.
0: So the people in front of me, I thought Mindy was saying something. Good morning, holy cow that is loud, you might want to bring me down, I'm a lot louder than Jason, there we go, that's better, I'm going to go ahead and start out by saying this is not my normal kind of message that I've done before, Um, there's a lot of stuff here, I'm going to be going through a lot of scripture, so if you have something to write these down, Um, I didn't get a chance to get them on the screen, I forgot we had a wedding to go to yesterday, so I drove to and from Georgia yesterday. Didn't get a chance to get all that in there, plus I've had all kinds of electronic issues. Another thing, this may go long, I'm going to come to a place when the Holy Spirit tells me you might want to stop here. I'm just going to stop. I don't really have a way to land the plane in the middle, so like I said, keep notes. Otherwise, you're not going to know what I'm talking about when I come back. So, I'm going to start off by talking about seasons, and I think that's something extremely important that us as Christians need to understand, is that everything happens in seasons, We have seasons just like we have, you know, in our atmosphere. We have winter, summer, spring. We have spiritual seasons In Luke chapter four. It talks about how the devil tempted Jesus. Jesus responded in the word and it said the devil left him for a season. It doesn't mean he gave up. He came back. He left him for a season, a small period of time. We have to understand that we're going to have moments of a lot of blessings coming in. Everything looks good. Everything's going well. But just as quickly, things can turn, and it's going to seem like the hardest parts of our life. And I think the biggest mistake is a lot of Christians say, well, if you're saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit, you're never going to have a bad moment. And there's a lot of churches that preach that. As long as you're chasing Jesus, you're never going to have a bad moment. Well, let me tell you, that's a lie from the pits of hell. <laughs> Period. Because you're going to have a bad moment. Um, I think that God allows us to go through those trials and those times so that we grow. And one of the biggest things that, um, that hit me through all this is what God is looking for is to develop a culture and attitude in people that you will remain consistently the same regardless of external circumstances. Let the, okay, What God is looking for is to develop a culture and attitude in people that you will remain consistently the same regardless of external circumstances. Amen? That's right. So we're going we're gonna to go, go through the valleys, but we're doing that so that way we can be ready to handle whatever's coming to us. And that goes back to spiritual warfare. And I think right now we're under more demonic attack than I've seen in my entire life. And I don't think that, well, coincidence don't exist There's a reason that Jason preached about spiritual warfare right before all this pandemic, this chaos that we're living in happened. And I think that it's by divine uh, intervention that this had to wait. Um, I think that it's extremely important. So, moving on, let's see. I'm going to get lost. I have a lot of stuff on here. I'm sorry. All right, so the biggest thing is that right now, like I said, we are in a season of spiritual warfare. But we're also receiving a lot of things from the Holy Spirit right now. I mean, you can't deny that. The Holy Spirit is going to be our number one tool. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. We talked about a lot of tools that God's given us. What was it? So if if Satan was cast out with a third of the angels, how many do we have working for us? Two-thirds. But God gave us the Holy Spirit, so we have a direct link to talk to Him. We have a direct link to receive from Him. And we have angels surrounding us all the time to help us fight these battles. If you guys, I don't know if anybody has a Bible or your app or whatever, this is really important that you guys go here, you look here, you read here. It's in Ephesians 6. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus. And that church took the, these teachings and practically applied them to their lives. And there's no difference between then and now. We can take these same teachings and practically apply them. But it's going to be a discipline. Everybody say it's a discipline. That's right. Every morning, you have to get up and apply these things. Nobody can pray these things on you. You can't just have somebody say, oh, well, you're going to have the armor of God. You're fine. No, you have to get up every morning and put on the armor of God. Whatever you need to do to remind yourself to get up every morning and put on the armor of God so that you're prepared to go into this battle, do it. One of the things that I did, and it's funny, Jason's got the same one. My wedding ring, all the way around it, has the entire scripture of the armor of God. Every day I'm reminded that I need to put on the armor. Every day that I look down, I'm reminded. In Ephesians 6, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. Schemes, tricks. We all know that's all Satan uses is tricks. That's his biggest tool. It really is. Whether he uses those tricks to instill fear or whatever, that's all he does. He tricked Eve in the beginning. That's what he's been doing since the beginning of time. Altering something, tricking us to think something, and it's a lie. It's all a lie from the devil. In 2 Corinthians, it says that we ought not be ignorant of Satan's devices. It says that we should know the tricks that Satan's going to use. And we know his tricks. They're fear. They're all these things that we've went through all through the spiritual warfare talks. We want to put on the whole armor of God so that we could stand against these tricks against the devil. It says in uh, verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places you got to understand every single day that you wake up is going to be a wrestling match. And I'm not talking like the WWE gymnastics you see on TV. I'm talking a true blood-to-blood wrestling match every single day. Every time that we stand on the Word and what God says and the power that He has instilled in us through the Holy Spirit, we harbor a major kick in the teeth to the enemy every single day. And understand, though, it says that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. Jason talked about that. When you have an issue through the day, and you're going to feel it every single day, you're going to feel something coming against you, something trying to bring you down. Understand, when somebody comes up and says something, it's not from them. It's the spirit behind that person. So don't, don't start storing bitterness or anger or strife towards that person. Understand it's the spirit behind that person, and we all know how to fight that. We went through that. Weeks and weeks of how to fight that. One of the things, though, that was weird and that God showed me through this, none of us, granted, we've got the Holy Spirit, we've got God, but we're also a family. We're a body of followers in Christ. We can rely on each other. And I know that most of the time people use this more for uh, what love is. But aren't we supposed to love each other? In Ecclesiastes, it says if one person falls, the other can reach out to help. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. I don't want anybody, because that's lie number one. Satan's going to make you think you're in this alone. Nobody else is going through it. You're the only person who has to deal with it. That's not true. I bet whatever you're going through, every single person sitting in here this morning has went through or is going through the exact same thing. So we have to look at something. It's who are we fighting? We talked about this a little. God gave me a little different direction on it. In just this scripture alone, it it brings up four entities, and it's spelled out. Principalities, which means rulers. Powers, rulers of darkness in the world. Spiritual wickedness in high places. And I want to take a look and dive into these things really fast. So, principalities. What is principalities? And the more I researched, the more I found out, it means ranked demons. It's, it's, and don't, don't be confused. Yeah, demons have rank. There's these little low-level demons that we fight with. Don't wear yourself out on these little low-level demonic attacks. Be hitting for the big ones. If you look, just like God created in his kingdom structure and there's it goes down the line all the devil did when he got kicked out was try to copy what God did that's all he's ever been doing and he's trying to do it to twist us to get off the right path so ranked demons I feel like there are five head demons this is what God showed me there's five head demons that we really got to focus on Uh, the first one is moral impurity That's sexual behavior, lust, pornography, homosexuality, adultery, fornication. Second one is bitterness. And I think that's a really big one right now, especially in this time. Bitterness. Hebrews 12 and 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. Every time that you allow bitterness to instill in your life, you're opening up a highway For Satan to torture you. That's all you're doing. The third one is temporal values. That's when you make things more important than God. Money, your job, property, false idols. Things that are not going to last. No eternal value. The fourth one we've talked about, and I don't think I have to go through it, is fear. And the fifth one is rejection. Those are the five head spiritual attacks that we see every single day. But the good news is God gives us the authority over these demons through the Holy Spirit. We have the authority to tell them to leave us alone. They have no legal right to us. Amen? If we learn how to operate the way God wants us to operate, we will have victory. God calls us to have accountability. If you want to have victory, you have to be accountable. What does Satan do? He don't want you talking to anybody. He wants you to keep it a secret. Well, they're not going to understand. And he just instills that in our brain. And what does that do? That traps us in our own junk. And we can't see the freedom when you're trapped in your own junk. Or if you know you've done something wrong, it's like, well, just bury it. It's going to be fine. That's what Satan tells us. What have we been talking about the last few weeks since all the COVID happened? We have to repent. We have to make those. We have to get those things out. That's Satan's, like, that's right down his highway, too. He wants you to keep everything in. Well, how are we going to see victory, and how are we going to be able to stand against the tricks of the devil if we're holding everything in? Powers. It's ability, control, authority, delegated influence. Satan does have power. We've talked about that. He does have power. Demons have power. But That power can't touch what God gave us. At all. In scripture you can see where principalities and power are linked together. But God still gives us power over them. In Romans 8.37 it says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that God has in us through Jesus Christ our Lord. It doesn't matter if they do come together. We can celebrate that none of these things can separate us from the love that God has for us. It's important because Satan will try to convince you that God don't love you anymore. That's... That's his favorite thing to try to do, to get us to turn away from God. It's important that you stand on the truths that God gives you. God loves you no matter how many times you fall. Jesus loves you just as jacked up as you are. And let me tell you, we are all a little jacked up. Amen? (laughs) That's right. That in itself is a victory. The Bible says, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. God loves us always, today, tomorrow, just like he did yesterday. That in itself is a victory. We can get a little fired up that that in itself is a victory right there. I'm skipping over some things because apparently it's not important. I really went into a lot of stuff about powers and principalities, but it doesn't matter. We know that God has already conquered all that. Here we go, moving on to the next part. Rulers of the darkness, ruling in areas of darkness absent of light. So what does the Bible say about darkness? Truth is the light. So, in secrets and in lies is where darkness falls. And that's a huge thing. That was a big eye-opening thing right there. That was like a, holy cow. So, Satan will try to come in and ruin our lives and rule our lives over secrets, little lies, little white lies, these little things that we do. The devil knows what to come up with, the schemes and plots of every generation. Every age has its areas of darkness and Satan is a ruler of those areas where there is no light and that darkness means an absence of truth. And it could be what you're doing versus what a lie the devil's telling you and you're accepting to live in that lie. James 5 says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he committed sins, they shall be forgiven. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. If we're, if we're harboring secrets and we're harboring all these lies to ourselves, how in the world are we going to be able to get through this? It says to confess your faults. Because guess what? We screw up every day. There's not a day that goes by that I don't mess up at least two billion times. But we have to confess those faults one to another. Don't be trying to hide something from your brothers and sisters right here. The people who love you the most, and I know that a lot of people, including myself, have went through church hurt where these people have hurt us in some way. But are you going to let Satan rule you to think that it's going to be that way every day with every person, with every situation? Because if so, he's winning. Talks about a spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. That's demonic plots to be hurtful, planned and executed in higher places. Satan's not going to put things in front of you that don't affect you. The ultimate end is to get you off of your path. That's headed, that's, that's in your high places. That's here in the church. That's places that you go to worship God You don't think Satan's not working in here trying his best to ruin anything that we've had here? Did you guys hear the issues we have with sound this morning? Did you? (laughs) I mean, come on. No matter what you're going through or where you are, do not be bitter. The devil wants the credit and he wants to upset you. In spiritual warfare, you have to embrace the fact things can't come in your life if God doesn't allow it. While going through the journey... I don't know where I'm going, I don't know how long it's going to take, but one thing I do know is that all things work together for good to those who love God, according to His purpose. And that's a big one, it's according to His purpose, not our purpose. And it says that our thoughts are not His thoughts, His ways are not our ways. So we're not going to understand everything that's going on, but we all have to stay and stand in faith that it's according to His purpose. All right, so therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that, day when the, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, when the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So that's the first piece of armor, and that's the belt of truth. And I, in my opinion, I think this is the most important piece of armor. Because I went back and I looked at all kinds of, like, the Roman armor and all this stuff, and times like that and every piece of their armor attached to their belt and then every weapon then attached to their belt so this is a very important piece of the armor is the belt of truth scriptures there's you can go on and on and on and trust me i did i'm not going to go through all of them i don't i'm now realizing some of this is from my own personal notes But there are so many scriptures on truth. John 1 and 14, we got the truth from Jesus. Jesus brought the truth. I'm paraphrasing a lot of these. Jesus brought truth. John 3, 21. Truth brings light. Darkness must flee. Go read these scriptures. But I'm paraphrasing them all. John 8, 32. Truth makes you free. The key word is God creates freedom in you. It isn't that the truth sets you free. It says the truth makes you free. John 8 and 44, the biggest paraphrase of them all Satan has no truth. Zero. John 14 and 17, the world will not easily receive the truth. Don't expect the world to understand the truth God instilled in you. Turning the other cheek, tithing, forgiveness, so on and so forth. People of the world are not going to understand. The truths that God has given you. You can you can explain it to them one time, you could tell them how it goes, but don't beat yourself up when they don't understand why you do what you do. The only way they're gonna understand is if they give their life to Christ Jesus. That's the only way. So what is truth? And what I looked up is unconcealed reality. That is truth, an unconcealed reality. God wants you to live in reality. He wants you to know who you are and what you are and what you're going through. A lot of people will say, well, when you're going through these things, keep your eyes 100% focused on God. You'll get through these things. I disagree with that to a certain extent. I think that you need to embrace the things that are around you every day because that's how you learn. That's how you grow. That's how you move towards God. Keep your eyes fixed on the path. And what God's telling you to do. But don't ignore everything that's going on around you. Because those may be important parts that you're going to need maybe 10 years down the road. An absence of deceit. That's the truth. Declared absolutes. That's the big one. Declared absolutes. There's no gray area. It is 100% The way that it is. That is a truth. And God has absolute truth. The world has situational ethics. That's a big one. The world lives with situational ethics. There are times in the world that we live in that it's condoned that a little white lie is going to save a hurt. Or you're going to be able to do this which is manipulative. God doesn't have little white lies and little manipulations. God has absolute truths. God's truths are non-debatable. That's the big one. I think that's a big problem that we see in churches right now. Is that there are these truths that are laid out in scripture. That churches this, at this point in time will take that truth and say, well, that's going to upset somebody. I'm just going to sit that over here. I'm going to put that right there. We'll come back to that one day, but I'm going to put that right there. We don't have to worry about that right now. That ain't how it works. God's truths are non-debatable period. That's right, Woo! Love that. Amen. I'm going to break out in revival right here, I love it, come on. There are seven principles, this is what God gave me, there are seven principles of truth. The first one is design or purpose, that is a main principle of truth. And of course, I knew I had some electronic issues. I'm missing, I've got what scripture it is, but it didn't carry my scripture over into this. May not be important, that might be why. Maybe you should go read it on your own. We'll see. I'm going to test the theory one time here. Okay, no I'm not, because that quit too, so that's a sign. I'm just going to leave that alone. (coughs) Seven principles of truth. We have design or purpose. And what I went through there was Psalms 139 and 14. I don't have any of these memorized. So if anybody has an actual physical Bible or anything, that'd be awesome. Hey! 139. I love this crowd participation. This is great. Where are we at? 139, 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's our design and our purpose. We are designed perfect in God's eyes. And we have a purpose. God designed us to come here to, because we have a purpose. We have something that we're supposed to do. The world is going to tell you that, yeah, your, your goal in life is to get a job, find, find a spouse, have some kids, raise those kids, try to leave those kids something, and that's your purpose. That's not true at all. There's a reason that every single person is sitting in this church this morning. God has a purpose for each individual life that is here this morning. For some of us, we, we know what some of those purpose. Yes. Sure. Uh, how
1: it's crazy. This is New Living Translation. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Wow.
0: I like that. What was that? NLV? NLT? NLT. Perfect. Another principle is authority. We can take authority in the truths that God gives us. Some of those authorities, he he gives us authority over demons, but at the same time in truths and what the scripture tells us with authority is that we are not to rebel against authority. I think we dealt with a lot of that through the COVID. I think that in that time, we got to see how that we are supposed to respect authority uh, as long as it lines up with Scripture. That's the big one. Uh, and I, th- I have to thank our pastors here and that they made sure that everything lined up with Scripture and they followed the authority that what was given to us. And guess what? We still had church. Amen? Amen. But those authorities fall into four different categories. There's, there's a lot of different... Everybody should submit to God-given authority. Satan will try to push you to rebel against it. That's, that's important. Satan will try everything in his power to get you to rebel against God-given authorities. Some of the things I looked at was like family. So as children, it says to obey, obey your mother and your father. Those are your authorities. But as you become an adult, it just says to honor them. The same way, and you can go through, there's there's a lot of scripture on that, but then you look at like your employer, and there's, I have scripture on all these too, and I'm a little upset that none of this moved over, because it would make a lot more sense. Hey, it's working now, look at there, look at there, come on. So when it talks about your employer, I I pulled 1 Peter 2.18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Because guess what? How many of us in here have a boss that jumped right to it? I like it. Uh, Have a boss that we don't always agree with, that we think that they just say things because they're in power and they want to do things. You're your own boss. You have your own conflicts going on. Perfect. Uh, I wish we had that picture of the, what was it? I'm my own boss. Don't worry about me. I'm not, I'm not daydreaming. I'm having a conference meeting or something. Yeah. Yeah, if I'm talking to myself, yeah. Anyways, government. And in Romans, it talks about how that we should respect the law of the land, so on and so forth. Also in church. Church. We have authorities in church that we should respect those authorities as long as they're following what Scripture says. That's the important one. I don't want anybody in this church to blindly follow me because I, I might mess up on things. So anything that I'm telling you, and I'm, I'm throwing out these scriptures. That's why I said write them down because go back and read them. Because if I'm if I'm wrong with it, come tell me. Another principle of truth is responsibility. We must account to God for the words and deeds. We can't blame poor upbringing. We can't blame any of the current things going on in our lives, our spouse, brothers, sisters. We have to take responsibility for our own actions. Somebody can be coming at you 100%, and you have an option in that moment, and that's to fight back 100% or sit and take it, forgive them tell them you love them and move forward we have to take responsibility for how we act and how we react to everything one of the principles of truth is suffering it really is, we will have seasons of suffering Let's see if I can get this right. I wrote this down, but it's shorthand. I'm pulling a Jason Butler. We will have, so people say God don't want you to be unhappy. He's not after your happiness. He's out for your conformity. He is shaping you in what he wants you to be. So through suffering, we grow. Through suffering, we learn. I mean, it's the same thing as when you're a little kid, and you go up and you touch a hot stove eye. I don't think, I could be wrong, I don't think that every day you're going to walk up and touch that same hot stove-eye. You learn from that moment, I don't need to touch that stove One of the principles of truth is freedom. God provides, creates true freedom. Satan wants you to think you'll never be free. But the big principle here, and one of the big truths that's on this belt Is that God provides true freedom. And you should never accept anything else. And then success. How do we measure success? Money, house, cars? No, we should measure our success by doing what God created you to do. You can only be successful when you're on the path that God is leading you down. When you are in the word, when you are chasing God. When the Holy Spirit is moving. That's how you measure success. Because that's how God measures success. Stand firm then. This is uh, verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. So I'm going to talk just a second about the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness. That's a tongue twister. The breastplate covers the most important part of the body. So I said the belt is probably the most important, but the breastplate covers the most important part of our body. That's where our vital organs, the heart, lungs, so on and so forth are. Righteousness means to be in right standing with God. So, in 1 Thessalonians Thessalonians 5 and 8, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. The components... Of the breastplate are faith and love toward God and love for people. Satan wants to attack and have his holds here so that he can make you doubt God. Faith is one of the most important things that we can have that's a part of this armor. Armor. It's the ability to trust God and know that he will deliver. I want you to get behind that. It's to trust him and know he will deliver. That's faith. And then, love. There's two different kinds of love that I, well, there's, I wrote down three different kinds of love, actually, and I don't know how to pronounce them, they're Greek, and we talked about this, when when Jason went through love, there's, what's the E-R-O-S, how do you pronounce that? Eros, which is, selfish love, what can you do for me? That kind of love, selfish love. There's phileo, is that right? Yeah. That's mutually beneficial kind of love. And then there's agape love. Gives no ex- expectation of it being returned. Love is deep and constant benevolence. That's what it says in John 13. The breastplate is to guard us from faith being shaken and hatred from coming in. That's what the breastplate is there for. It, so if, we, if, if Satan tries to come in and shake and rock your faith... Or makes you really, really nice and angry with somebody, he's winning. Because we're not supposed to hold that anger towards other people. And we're always supposed to keep our faith in God. I'm going to move on and see here. The shoes of the gospel of peace. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Gospel is the good news. That's what the gospel is. It's the good news which brings inward peace. Always be prepared to give people inward peace. In Romans 5.1 it says peace with God through faith because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. God's peace goes beyond human understanding and cannot be explained. So when you're walking around, and, and I can use an example. I went through some really rough stuff about two years ago, a year ago, year and a half ago, two years—I don't know. I've etched, sketched it all out of my brain. I don't even remember when it was. <laughs> but in this, in this hard time, I remember I was sitting with a uh, um, a friend of mine, and I was happy. I'm, I was my normal self, even though I was going through probably some of the worst hell I've ever went through in my life on Earth. And I was sitting. We went. We went out to grab about to eat. And people are coming around there, hey, you know. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? I'm just happy, my normal self, trying to be nice to everybody. And he looked right at me and said, how can you be so calm right now with everything going on? He's like, it's like there's something just hanging over your head. And at any point, that rope could break and that thing's going to cut your head off. How are you so happy? I said, well, you just don't get it. Because the only way that I could be happy in this time is God. 100% is God. God. And at that time, and I I still can't speak to the current times, but that person didn't believe in God at all. They were a full-blown atheist. So no, they didn't understand it. I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that it was in God's control. So there's no sense in sitting in turmoil and in fear and all these things every day. And at at this time, it's about when I met Jason and Wendy and they were going through what fear is and how Satan's going to try to rule my life. And I was embracing the freedom that God gives me and the peace that he allows me to have. And so whenever I tried to explain it, I'm like, everything's going to be okay. How do you know that? I just know. I just know I have faith in God that he's got it. It's in his hands. It's under control. They didn't get it. And I spent 45 minutes trying to explain it. But it says in Philippians, God's peace goes beyond human understanding and cannot be explained. You can't explain God's peace. You can only embrace God's peace. And you can pray for everybody around you that they will one day embrace God's peace. Because there's nothing like it. I remember the days of living in fear. Why are our feet important in this verse? Feet are what you stand on. Standing on your own, not being carried by others. You can stand on your own two feet. Feet empower you to move forward, to push through and spread the gospel. Fitted or shod, it says to have them shod, which is fitted, means strapped down. No matter where you go, it's on. The problem is, Christians, a lot of the times these days, they like to wear flip-flops. It ain't strapped down. At any point in time when things get hard, they can bolt. And it says to have them shod. That means tightly fitted. So I think that we all need to kick off the flip-flops and tighten them boots down a little. And that's a big one. Readiness. It says that we will be equipped with the readiness, which means equipped, understood, always digging in. With or without your Bible, you know how to share the gospel. That's important. When you're putting on the armor of God, you should should have that discipline we talked about that you're in the word every day so that no matter what happens, because think about it. What did Satan use against Jesus? He used scripture. He used scripture against Jesus. It didn't work, but he tried. So what happens when people out and about use scripture against us? Or when Satan tries to twist things against us, if we don't know or we're not studying or we're not digging in, how are we going to fight that battle? We should have our feet firmly planted on the rock, which is the word of God every day. In 1 Peter 3 and 15, it says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So whenever I tell you that you need to be equipped and you need to have all that tightened down, don't be going and looking for a fight, but be ready to defend your faith in Jesus Christ. Be ready to to defend it, and also be ready to teach somebody why you are defending it. Which I think kind of goes in with what Andy said. There is a hell, and a lot of us need to really pay attention to that, because there's a lot of people going, and it is our job to try to share the gospel and be prepared to get people down the path of salvation. That is our jobs. I'm going to move on to the shield of faith. In verse 16, it says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. So, once again, when I was reviewing like the Roman armor and the stuff that they used to wear, I looked at their shields and they weren't like this little bitty, you know, no. It was a whole body length, like a big oval, and it covered from head to toe. It protected every aspect of their body. That's the shield. And so when we look at it, we have to protect every aspect of our lives by taking up the shield of faith. Not just Sunday morning, every single arena of our lives, God cares about. God cares about you outside of these four walls. And so we talked about faith earlier. That means to rely upon to have confidence in to trust when you start picking and choosing what parts of your life you're going to rely on God for is when you're going to fail you should rely on God always you should rely because he is your shield always you should never think that you could take on a battle by yourself you should never think that you can drop that shield you're going to be okay and it talks about the fiery darts. It says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows. Or fiery darts, it says in some translations. Fiery darts, spears or arrows, they're ignited, they're glowing inflamed. And, and the way that I looked, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie, what, 300? You look at what they use these fiery darts for. Everybody thinks they're going to shoot you with a fiery dart Well, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to light a dart because as soon as it hits you, it's going to go out because it goes in your body. That's not what they used them for, and it's not what Satan uses them for. You light a fire on the end of a dart so you can shoot it into the vicinity and catch everything on fire. Burn the whole town down, not just kill one person. That's the point of the fiery dart. So Satan wants to light a fire in your life, and these fires are often manifested in thoughts, words, attitudes, behaviors, and fears. You get scared, mad, depressed, hurt. Like our going out and singing during that pandemic. That was a great, what we were trying to do was just help people deal with fear. Show love. Show compassion. And what did we get? We got blasted on, Marvel Speaks Out, that we're protesting a virus, and that we're a bunch of idiots. And then we got put on a, some kind of satanic worship page. And they're cheering us on. <laughs> yeah. Amen. But the point is, and instead of somebody coming up that day, and we did have that. That's the thing. We had one guy at one of the places come up and tried to battle Jason, Scripture for Scripture. That was exciting. Yeah, and he was an atheist. But in that moment, that wasn't just a single sword fight. That wasn't a one-on-one fight. That was a blast At everything we were doing. That was trying to create a wildfire storm around us to put us down. To get us off of our path of chasing God. That's what that was. That was a fiery arrow. So what do we do in those moments? If we're carrying our shield of faith, we can look in that moment. We can get really upset, which guess what? I did. I did. I rebuttaled. They're making comments. I'm like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. That did no good, because guess what that did? Created more arguments. It doesn't make sense. But if you have your shield of faith, then you know this one little arrow that's trying to light a fire, if you extinguish that fire before it takes off and you just walk away from it, you know that you're making a better improvement on other people's lives around you, and that's what Satan is trying to distract you from. Period. So we have to know... These fiery darts from Satan and what they're trying to do. I'm moving on pretty fast. Am I doing okay on time? Am I good? Oh, we're good. I'm zooming through a lot of this. The helmet of salvation. This is the biggest battle. It's the battleground in our minds. It says to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What does a helmet do? Anybody got a guess? What's a helmet do, Parker? Boom. Protects your head. What do we use our brain for, though? That's our way of thinking. That's the way our, our way of feeling, feelings. You know, that's sensory overload is all up here. So the helmet in a scenario is to protect, in this scenario, is to protect our way of thinking. And I look back at some of the things like Jason has preached on, and it's what do we allow? in that's the most important thing because guess what satan's all the time going to be hitting us with all these thoughts you're not good enough you're not doing this well enough but aside from satan what do we allow in from the world whether it be the movies you watch the music you listen to the things that affect your soul jason made a good point and that's he made he made an effort to stop listening to secular music altogether. And he listens to only Christian music. And then I went down this road right after that, and I thought, well, I'm going to try that. I'm going to give it a go. And let me tell you, I have, well, back before I got furloughed, I had like an hour drive to work every morning. You know how nice it was to be able to praise God for an hour every morning right after you first wake up? Do you know what that does for the rest of your day? All the stresses and the things, because guess what? That's whenever, like in the evening... You know, my personality type, I love to be around people. I love to be interactive. So afternoon or well, pretty much anytime after 10 a.m., I'm fine. It's that first, and, and Satan knows this, it's that first hour that I'm awake when I'm not in the mood to really talk to anybody yet is when he can beat me up in my thoughts. That's when he can try to kick me down, and the rest of my day will go according to that. So in that first hour, if I know that, at that first hour of me being awake, if I'm doing nothing but pumping Jesus in, you think Satan can sneak through that crack? No. So it's important. The helmet of salvation protects our head. It protects our, our way of thinking. We can win spiritual battles by protecting our thought life. How do we do that? In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, For though we walk in the flesh... We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive and obey Christ. That's how we win this war. And Jason's talked about this. Every thought, anything, and it, it'll become easier. It's, it's a little taxing at first. But every thought that comes into your head, take that captive. Don't just accept it. Anything that somebody tells you or that you start to believe about yourself, you have to stop right in that moment. Grab that thought. Does this line up with scripture? Does this line up exactly? Shoot it down. If it don't line up with scripture, it don't belong. And it has to go in the name of Jesus. Period. People are going to say or oh, you're going to have these thoughts about yourself. Well, I'm ugly. No. Line that up with Scripture. You are wonderfully and beautifully made. I'm not good enough. God created you for a purpose. You're here. You are a child of God. Hands down. Take every single thought captive and line it up with Scripture. Do what? That's right. (laughs) Philippians 4 and 8 says finally brothers whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there is any excellence if there is anything worthy of praise think about these things that's the thought process we need to have and you look down it says the first one whatever is true we went through truth that's unconcealed So we don't need to be thinking about what can we put away? What do we need to hide? It's what do I need to get off of my chest? What truth do I need to embrace about myself? If that's your thought process, you're winning. Honorable, meaning noble. So if somebody comes to you, this is the only way I can do it, that that I can think of whenever I was going through this, and they have a little gossip, what's your job? Shut that crazy train down. Don't need no gossip. Don't need no gossip. That's not honorable. To talk about people behind their back, to go around people's back, that's not honorable. So that's not a good thought to have. So what do we do? Exactly what Jeff said. Shut it down. Whatever is just. And we've talked about, do we celebrate an injustice? No. If we're thinking about, at any moment, somebody done me wrong, so now how am I? And as my dad would say, and this is one of the funniest things he ever used to say, I'm going to get the getter before I get got. That's no way to live right there. I'm going to get the getter before I get got. He used to say that all the time when he'd get all upset. And the most of the time he used it in traffic because he would see somebody about to do something dumb. And he'd act like an idiot and drive really fast. He's like, "Mm mm-hmm, they ain't getting around me. I'm going to get the getter before I get got. I don't know. But that stuck with me. And I guess there's a reason for everything that that stuck with me. But it says... Whatever is just. So as long as we're living and striving and thinking towards justice, proper justice, and just things. Pure. Whatever is pure, which means clean, modest. That means don't be looking at a bunch of dirty, filthy things. Don't be listening to a bunch of dirty, filthy things. Don't be watching a bunch Don't do it. Just don't. If it's not pure, if it's not clean. And it's funny... You know, I grew up playing secular music in bars, doing the whole thing. And there's a lot of times I'll tell a story, or I've listened to a song, or I've watched a movie, and the the best thing in our culture today is to say, well, that's adult. What makes it different from being adult versus kid? Neither one of us should be thinking it. Period. If it's not clean, we need to throw it away. commendable, good report, no bad words. So, I've been known to let words slip. I'm human. I also grew up and playing music in bars where we didn't use most of the good words of the English language. Um, So, I still struggle with that every once in a while. And then I had this thought process. It's just language, you know. If I say a bad word, it's the intent of your heart. And that's the way I live. It's the intent of your heart. And I agree with that to some extent. If I say a bad word, like, you know, the S word, right? I use the S word. Well, that means poop or crap. I could say either one of those. It's the intent of my heart. I'm not trying to say anything bad. Right. But what does it look like? Everybody says, well, the culture back then was different to what it is now, so it's different. It's the intent of my heart. No, you got to look at the culture you're in right now, because we know that those words mean bad things. So if we try to put some kind of explanation point of, oh, it's okay, I mean it this way. No, that's noncommendable. Anybody that walks by that don't know you or know what you're doing is going to hear that word and instantly have a thought in their head of how you are. And is that, as Christians, how we want to represent ourselves? No excellence it says (laughs) maybe yeah if there is say whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there is any excellence so we're looking for good deeds great deeds or actions just like the things that we did during covid in my opinion those were great deeds we went out we tried to help people fight fear we went out and bought groceries for people those are good thoughts Whenever you're looking at, whenever you have one of those moments where you feel like God's talking to you, this is another way to go through it. If you go down this list of the things you think God's telling you you need to do, line it up with these things down this list. Is what I'm going to have to do, am I going to be be 100% truthful in it? Is it going to be honorable and noble? Is it just? Is it clean? Is it commendable? And then, is it a good deed Overall for the community. And then last, worthy of praise. Things to thank Jesus for, not your own selfish pride boost. That's the biggest thing. When we take a thought captive, is it something that we can say thank you, Jesus, for? Because our goal in life should be able to thank him for everything that we're going through. And I know a lot of us are going through a lot of stuff right now. I mean, my Lord, I'm eat up. I can't put shoes on right now because i got to eat up the fire ants. My feet are swollen up. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Now I learned a lesson. Don't know what that lesson is yet, but he's going to show me. You Do what? Yeah, don't put your foot in fire ants. Learned a lesson. Thank you, Jesus. Every thought you can line up with this list, and it will influence the way you think and what you allow to be absorbed into your soul. Every song that comes on the radio, if you can go down this list and say it meets this criteria. Awesome. I'm going to listen to it. If it don't meet this criteria, I'm not. And do you remember how earlier I said God's truths are not debatable? There's no gray area. That's a problem with us as Christians today, is we want to do what we want to do, but still look like we're serving God. You either serve God, the one true King, or you are not serving God, the one true King. There's no middle ground. But we're all sinners, we all make mistakes, and thank the Lord God loves us and has mercy. And we can repent and we can turn away from things. In Romans twelve two, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If we're living with our minds stuck in the world, how do we expect to be able to hear from God? That's my question. How are you supposed to discern a situation or to have discernment over somebody if your head is stuck in the world? You can't. There's so much cloudiness, it's not going to work. I'm going to move on. I'm about done, guys, I promise. The sword of the Spirit. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. What do we use a sword for? That's our main weapon in battle. That's what we take things out with. Nowadays, we use a gun, like Jeff said. But back then, it was a sword or a dagger, whatever. What is a sword of the Spirit? There's two uses of a sword it's a defensive weapon to protect yourself. And it's an offensive weapon to attack the enemy. So if the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, what are we supposed to do? We take the Word of God and we can use that as ways to defend ourselves. I already went through all of that. Jesus did the same thing. Satan's smart. Satan's extremely smart. I don't want to discredit him. He tried to use Scripture against Jesus. Jesus battled right back with more and shut him down. So if this is our sword, if this is how we battle on the spiritual realm, how are we going to battle if we're not digging into the word? If we're not learning the tools that God has given us? If we're not applying them? Because that's, huh? You have to say them out loud, that's right. So it can be used to protect yourself and also to attack the enemy. That's that's where you got to say it out loud. You have to tell Satan to go back to hell where he belongs. Every day. Multiple times a day. All day. He don't quit, so neither should you. You should find joy and you should find some kind of power in the fact that you're fighting this battle. And guess what? You've already won. You've got God on your side. As long as you will follow the steps given and you will stay on the path and you will not worry about the world. You've won. That's something to rejoice and be excited about. <clears throat> the word of God is knowledge. It is so much knowledge. Now granted, here's the thing. You can read this thing front to back 15 times and get more knowledge every single time you read it. You can read the same verse every day for a year. And figure out a different way to apply that verse. Period. There are two different kinds of words. In the Bible there's the Logos and the what's it called the Rema? Rhema Rhema I can't pronounce these things yet I ain't figured that part out but the way that I understand it and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm new in all this learning the different kinds of words and what they all mean but the Logos is written word of God it's an expression of who God is that's Jesus was the word wrapped up in human form he was an expression of God in human form. That's the logos. Jesus came to show hello. Jesus came to show us what God looked like. The rhema is a specific statement or utterance of God when God specifically speaks to you through his word about a particular thing and that word becomes alive. It becomes a rhema word. It's when you read a verse that you've read a hundred times, and then out of nowhere you see something you've never seen before. It's God making that word relative to your life in that moment, giving you insight through his word. That's a rhema word. That's the way that I understand it. If I'm wrong, somebody can correct me. But the word is so important because it can speak to your life at any given time. You can, like I said, you can read the same verse 15 times, but if you're going through something right now, something that you read a year ago, you can go back and read it again and it's going to apply to that particular moment. That's why this is so important. That's why this is a huge tool. This is how you defeat the enemy is you've got to soak in every single thing that God has said and God directs you to do over and over and over again. Jesus conquered all temptations with the word. It says in Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered him and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. When the devil took... When the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him back said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. The only way that you're going to be able to fight these spiritual battles is to know scripture. You have to fight them and you have to know them by heart. You have to memorize these scriptures. You have to know them. I don't care if you have to put it on an on a audio playback and listen to them over and over because that's what I've been doing. I, when it comes to reading things, I struggle. I don't absorb what I read. I've struggled with that since I was a little bit of a kid. It's all on audio tape. You can find 100,000 excuses why not to read this and you can let the devil tell you there's 100,000 reasons why you shouldn't, and couldn't, and can't. It's up to you to have the discipline that we talked about earlier, to do it. One challenge that I that I ask of you guys is, as you read through Scripture, and I just started doing this, as you read through Scripture and you study the Word, every time God gives you a rhema moment, every time something speaks out to you or applies to your life, in that moment, I want you to take that Scripture and I want you to journalize it. I'm going to make up a word, journalize it. Write it down, keep it, keep that word, and why it applied to your life in that moment. Find out what the application was for your life. Write it down and keep it. And keep doing it. Keep doing it over and over and over. Every time you find one of these words in the Bible and they speak to you, write it down and how it applies to your life. Because guess what? You may need that tool that you've already discovered in a battle that you're going to have five years from now. And if you write these things down, because they say that's one of the easiest way of learning, is you've got to write everything down, right? You write down what you read, that's how you memorize, whatever. Whatever you need to do, this is one of the challenges I have for you. Okay, I'm on the last piece. I promise, this is it. I'm on the last piece. I zipped through some of this. Some of it, I also realized, like I said, some of this was for me, I think, more for the, than just the congregation. But Prayer. It's so the last piece. It talks about. Uh oh. Hold on. I just I just purposefully erased that on accident. <laughs> Push that and erase it not purposefully. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Okay, take the helmet of salvation, and it says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all, that, for all the saints, and pray on, on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of your mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. So who in here thinks I'm not a prayer? Like, you're, you're not a prayer warrior, right? That's, I, I don't think I'm a prayer warrior. I, st- I struggle with the whole prayer warrior concept. I know that's a spiritual gift. And I know we've went through what prayer is. And I know Jason gave an entire breakdown of how to pray. So I could sit here, and if you weren't here, which I know we have some newer people that would, didn't get that breakdown, I'm sure Jason has that breakdown. And can get you that breakdown. If you weren't here, get it. Because that's an important tool. That is part of your armor. Prayer. I can get back to where I was. Here we go. Praying at all times in the spirit. Even if your gift is not to be a prayer warrior, God wants us to be in prayer always about everything. That's the only way we're going to know if it's from or for God. You're not going to know something unless you ask. Right? So how how in this in in our culture right here, how do we learn things? We read about it, we ask about it, or we watch it happen. Right? There's a dangerous part of watch it happen though, because some people will do things their own way that don't line up with scripture. So that's why you must test and take every thought captive. As you watch it, you gotta take it captive and say, does this line up with scripture? Does it line up with all those things in that list? If it does, okay. Move forward. I still challenge you to go study it on your own though. In Luke 18.1, Jesus gives a parable that we should pray and not give up. Um, I'm not going to read that whole parable. It's forever and a day long. But I challenge you to go read that parable. And it, all it talks about is how that we should pray. And I think you've used that parable before. Pray without ceasing. You know, that's what Paul declared, that we should pray without ceasing. It's a, lifestyle, it's a lifestyle to be in constant prayer about everything and in conversation with God. When you hear a lot of religious leaders talk about pray without ceasing, your first thought is, I've literally got to pray from the time that I'm awake to the time I fall asleep. No, no, but in all things be in prayer. For every single thing You can have a conversation with God Just like I have a conversation with Jason How many times do I call you a week Jason? A bunch I ask Jason a lot of questions I rely on Jason because he is, he is my shepherd But in those same amount of times I can rely on God I can have that same conversation And I should Before I ever call Jason I should, I should have a conversation with God Be in prayer always So putting on the armor is a prayer that you have to do every day. Like I said, nobody can speak it on you. Nobody can rub it on you. You have to physically put it on every day. I've sent Jason the, I found a prayer that I sent Lonnie and a few other people a while back when this first got, was laid on my heart. And it's just a prayer. It's the armor of God prayer that you go through every morning. Just read it every morning and put it on. And I sent it to Jason, and I have sent it again. I don't know if he got it this morning, but I sent it again to him this morning so he can send it in our texting app. So that way everybody in the church has that prayer. Every morning you should put on the armor of God so that we can fight this battle because there is no coincidence that right now we're in one of the most hardcore spiritual battles I've ever lived through. There's no coincidence that we're learning about all these things right before it happens. So, get that prayer, read that prayer, read it with your kids, make them say it aloud, read it aloud together, and make it an important lifestyle decision to every day put on the armor of God. There you go, buddy.
1: Um, so, Jason had said that I'm going to be talking at youth this Thursday, and I'm really, really excited, and um, I just wanted to say, um, a couple years ago, my sister bought me a book for Christmas, and it's called Uninvited, and for those of you that haven't read it, it's an amazing book, um, but I kind of tossed it to the side after she got it for me. I didn't really pay much attention to it, and um it just kind of got swept under the rug to be quite honest and about probably three or four weeks ago um, I found it and I just picked it up and started reading it and I was like you know reading it I was like this has some really really good stuff in it a lot of stuff about rejection which is a lot of what I've been dealing with and i still didn't know like why I found this book and um, then Mandy came up to me one Sunday and she was like hey do you want to speak to the youth? And before I had the chance to be like, "Um, really? God was like, yes, you're doing it. And I was like, okay. So (laughs) I started praying, and um, I was like, God, what is it that you want want me to talk about? And he was like, you've been reading this book for the past three weeks. Like, what do you think I want you to talk about? Rejection. So um, I'm going to be speaking on rejection to the youth on Thursday, and I'm just really excited. So I just wanted to say that. So I look forward to it. (laughs)
2: so um wiki has a few scriptures she's going to read and and just a short word and then i'm praying and we're done okay we promise
3: um so i the lord gave me something that i just really wanted to share with you all it's quick i promise Um, so I was in my quiet time with the Lord and I'm going to do with you all what he had me do. So I want you to think of one person right now, um, whether it's your parents or whether it's your children or your best friend or somebody you're really close with. And I want you just to put yourself in a situation where if somebody went to them and said, Hey, what do you think about this person? Like, what do you think about Caitlin? What if they just disowned you? What if they just said, well, I mean, I kind of talk to them sometimes. I kind of know them. What if they talk bad about you? What if they say, I don't even know them? How would that make you feel? And I talked to God, and I said, well, God, that would really hurt. Like, that would, that would not make me feel good. And I heard him clear as day say, then why do you do that to me? Why do you go around to people, and why do you say that to people? And why do you disown me? And that just really um, hit me in my heart. Because we have been given an opportunity to share the word with people and we don't. And we are blessed to know the word because there are people all over the world who have no idea who Jesus is. Um, And so, with that, he gave me a verse to read. Um, And it is Matthew 10 32. Um, through 38 and it says whoever acknowledges me before men I will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven but whoever disowns me before men I will disown him before my father in heaven do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth I did not come to bring peace but a sword for I have come to turn a man against his father a daughter against her mother a daughter in law against her mother-in-law a man's enemies will be members of his own household Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me, and whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So I really hate to tell y'all, but we're really not on this earth to make friends. We're on this earth to go spread the good news of Jesus um, and to spread the truth and to be real Um, And I think everybody that's spoken today has kind of been on the same wavelength with that is that we're not here to make friends and we're not here to have the fear of people on us. We should live boldly. Um, So that's what the Lord gave me. And Wendy has asked me to um, read a few more verses. And this is found in 1 Corinthians 1, and it's 20 through 24. It says, Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness that was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God.
2: So the Lord just told me to have her um read those scriptures. I just I was reading them the other day and God is gonna use us in this day and time to confound the wise. Um and so my prayer today is is for um our nation, um, for Israel, for Trump. Um Sue sent me something the other day and I'm just gonna read just the very bottom part and then I'm gonna say a prayer to end us. Um and we can Sue might know the website or whoever sent it to her. I don't. She's shaking her head, saying no. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, whatever this was, it was a prophecy from a, a lady in the U- Ukraine, I think. Um, okay, and um, basically, she's she's saying that right now we've we've got to put our armor on and go to battle. We've got to be in pra- prayer. God showed her that um, there is a battle that is raging day and night over um, the birthright and the destiny of our nation. There can be no more passivity, complacency, or disunity in the church. The body of Christ must rise up in power, authority, and stand together with one accord for Trump and the administration so we can be victorious in the battle that is going on. And so I'm going to say an end in prayer today, and I just want everybody to come into agreement with the prayer and the words that were spoken today. We are going to declare in the name of Jesus that no weapon that shall form against our nation, Trump, against um, the city that we're in, that we're so blessed to be able to do what we're doing right now because some towns are still locked down. And so we know that the revival's coming. Um, But we've got to pray for what's going on in the spiritual realm and bind up all the evil. And when we do it together, that does give Satan a black eye, and it shuts his minions down. And so let's, let's just come together. You can pray while I'm praying. We're all about that. So you do whatever you feel like doing and saying, when I, if that means you're speaking in tongues or you're just praying, but let's all come into agreement that we're going to give the enemy a black eye today and shut down all this junk that's going on right now because it is not from the Lord, and we want the Lord's kingdom to come. So, Lord, um, we just close out today in prayer, Lord. We thank you, Father God, for being our Lord, our Father, our God, our healer, our Savior. And, Father God, we thank you for the truths that we heard today, Lord. Um, and we lift President Trump up to you right now in the name of Jesus. We lift all of his cabinet members up. We lift up everybody, Pence, his family, Donald Trump's family, Lord, and we just say right now in the name of Jesus that we declare that no weapon that shall form against him shall prosper, and every tongue that would rise up against him in judgment will be condemned. We cancel every hex, every vex, every spell, every witch, and every warlock's plans. We command that every curse that was spoken recall and go back on them and either make them be bound up in the name of Jesus or they have to submit and surrender their lives to you and receive you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we know that you are coming back, Father God, but I know that you have left us the power through the Holy Spirit to bind up everything that is evil. And so, Lord, as a church body, We just take authority over all that stuff that's coming against him. And so, Father God, we ask that you deliver him up. You raise him up to be the mighty warrior that you have called him to be, Lord. And every day that we do not become uh, passive... Um, in our walk as Christians but we take authority over what you left us to take authority and we thank you for Donald Trump we thank you for Mike Pence and their families we ask that you just supernaturally bless them physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually and you give them the wisdom and discernment to rise up against all the evil and shut it down Lord and we just send mighty warring angels to Washington DC and we ask that you shut down all these rights and anything, Lord, that is not from you, and you wake the people up that are doing the rights and that are doing harm, you wake them up in dreams and visions to where they have to submit to you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we know that you're coming in glory and in power, and Lord, we're ready for this revival. Get us ready, Lord. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.